Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. All right, so today uh, we are having a great time of worship in a worship celebration, or celebration of worship, as the title says up there. I should look and know what the title is of today. Celebration of worship. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take um, some time in our service, and uh, we're going to walk through different decades of worship and different styles of praise music from the 1960s all the way up to our current time. Now, how many of you were in the church in the 1960s and 70s? Look at that. That's incredible. We're, we're good. We're good, right? This will be, be great. So, worship has changed. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. <laughs> but worship has changed through the decades. And one of the great things that we have, so no matter when you made your way into church, no matter if it was in the 60s and 70s, or if you made your way into life church and made your way into faith just within the last couple of weeks, worship is very central to this experience that we have as believers. That worship is one of those things where that we're going to discover today some really key principles that we can put into action in our own lives. And so throughout this morning, we're going to have some decades featured. As we encounter these decades, um, you're going to be invited to stand. So I'm going to invite you to stand here in just a moment uh, for this. And as we start out, we're talking about the 60s and the 70s. Now, 60s and 70s saw a pretty significant shift in the church. And it went from uh, primarily hymns uh, prior to that, probably in the 40s, 50s. That was the primary thing. A handful of songs were out there that were not hymn-based. Uh, hymn, H-Y-M-N, not H-I-M. That's not all right. And, uh, and, and there was this thing called the Jesus Movement. And the Jesus Movement radically changed the way that worship happened. Now there were scripture songs and choruses that would be sung and, and all of that, and, and the church slowly moving away from the hymns that it had been, been such a part of it uh, for, uh, for really for centuries. And there was a change happening within the church. Now, one of those voices uh, during the season of really revolution, one of those voices in the 70s and really moving even into the early 80s was this guy by the name of Keith Green. Keith Green was this influential voice in these years, and this is what he said, and I think this is a fantastic way for us to start this morning out in worship. If your heart takes more pleasure in reading novels or watching TV or going to the movies or talking to friends rather than just sitting alone with God and embracing him, sharing his cares and his burdens, weeping and rejoicing with him, then how are you going to handle forever and ever in his presence? You'd be bored to tears in heaven if you're not ecstatic about God now. And so for us in worship, we've got to realize we need to be ecstatic with who God is now. We need to be able to lift him up now because of the importance of worship. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. It's not the first time, by the way, we're going to be up and down all morning. It's going to be great. For those of you who have Apple watches, you're going to get your standing in for the day. So this is good. All right. And so we're going to have some familiar songs for those who are older. If you are not familiar with these songs, we have the words up on, up on the screen, and we'd love to have you join us in worship this morning. Oh, 
seated. I even saw some of you doing motions. Remember that in the church, right? Motions, church motion songs. We'd be singing that and have all those motions and all that stuff. So defining worship, what, what is worship? Seems like it should be relatively simple because um, I think for me, when I, when I start thinking about defining worship, to me, it's putting God first. Putting God first in everything. Putting God first in everything. The way that I drive <laughs> can be an act of worship. <laughs> act of prayer on the part of a lot of other people, but act of worship for me. Putting God first. I saw this definition that worship is the human response to the self-revelation of the triune God. Let me, let me unpack that a little bit, okay? Worship is the human response to the self-revelation of the triune God. God shows up in our life and begins to transform us. Worship is our response back to what God is doing in our lives. And say, God, we acknowledge that you are changing us from the inside. God, we acknowledge you're beginning to change our actions, the way that we behave. And God, because of that, I'm going to return to you worship. It's ascribing worth and value to God. There's thanksgiving as part of that. But how we go about this can be difficult. There are churches that don't allow music, right? I mean, uh, there, there are some churches that uh, my, my wife who grew up in Kentucky, there were some churches, no music. It was a cappella. I mean, that was kind of all that they did, no music. Others, no drums. How many of you are old enough to remember when drums first came into the church? And how many of you thought that God had left the building because the drums came in the church, right? That was like God has left the building when that happened. Because things change. Cultural shifts begin to happen. And as the church, is the church going to be left behind or is the church going to be part of the forefront of what God is doing that's new in the world around us? There are places of worship that incorporate uh, incense. There are uh, that, some that incorporate icons and imagery. Some, very, some uh, churches are very, very silent and reverent. Others are quite noisy. <laughs> some churches have deep traditions that, have, that have been, they've been following for centuries, if not a millennia or more. And there are others that are super nimble and able to just kind of change on a dime with a new style and the latest fad. As you can feel from the songs we sang just a moment ago, those of you maybe who've come to faith in the last uh, six months, those songs feel really foreign, potentially. They feel very different from the worship that we have and experience now because we all have preferences when it comes to style 
of worship, right? We all have preferences for what we think worship should be. But worship is about God and God alone. It's not about us. It's about us lifting him up. Now, N.T. Wright says this, it means gladly recognizing and celebrating the fact that this God is who he is and he does what he does. And we recognize and we honor and we lift him up. So that brings us to the 80s, the greatest decade of music ever. (laughs) Right? Oh, good. Got a couple of claps. That's great. And a new focus happened within our culture, something called MTV. And it radically changed the way that the world interacts with music. Previously, you'd have to go somewhere to see somebody live in concert. Or you could have a tape or uh, an 8-track or reel-to-reel, even if you go back far enough, right? So you'd have all of it and you could never experience, but then MTV rolls on the scene. And now videos are the way that music is, is, um, is communicated. And that changed the way the church interacted with music. And now the music industry begins taking off in names like Petra. Some of you know who that is. Amy Grant, Milan Lefebvre, Truth, DC Talk. These songs would race across the nation because not only was it audible, but it was now visual. And the church embraced that and said, how can we use this for God's glory and for God's kingdom? One of the voices from that decade was somebody by the name of Rich Mullins. His life was taken far too early uh, in the late, late 90s uh, car accident, I think in Illinois. And this is what one of his songs says. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand to your feet here. Uh, we're going to be worshiping in just a moment. This is what one of his songs says, and I love how it captures this. It says, there's a wideness in God's mercy I cannot find in my own. And he keeps his fire burning to melt this heart of stone. Keeps me aching with a yearning. Keeps me glad to have been caught in the reckless, raging fury that they call the love of God. Would you join us in worship? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. are a wild group. <laughs> Come on. Pretty rolls up his sleeve, the angels putting on the red sock. Our God is an awesome God. The 
There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist. Our God is an awesome God. And the Lord wasn't choking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close, so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom,
seated. Some of those songs age well, like some of you. <laughs> so worship is also about the heart of God. I love what Jesus, so Jesus is encountering this, uh, this woman at the well in John chapter 4. And as he's, as he's there, they're getting into this pretty deep conversation about prophets and kingdoms. And then Jesus breaks this out. He says, the time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And that time is here already. You see, the Father, too, is actively seeking such people to worship him, God of spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So what, what does all this mean? And, and I love this one, that one phrase right in the middle of that. The Father, too, is actively seeking such people to worship him. So what's happening right now is God is seeking your heart. No matter where you are, no matter what's gone on in your life, no matter if you walked in here as a guest of somebody and you, you're like, I don't even like church. <laughs> you're here today. God is seeking your heart, every bit of you. Uh, from the beginning of time, God's been wooing us towards him. Started out in the garden, Adam and Eve made decisions to kind of pull away, and yet God provides a covering for them through the goat that was uh, really slain for them in, that, in the garden and, and provided covering. Uh, later on, the ark, um, you know, Noah and his family, they were saved out of the flood, so salvation was theirs because of really God extending his heart uh, to them. Nation of Israel make their way out of Egypt through the Exodus, and they worship God in the desert. Eventually, they find a more of a permanent, settling, or a permanent setting for that worship to take place through offerings. <coughs> Excuse me. And then ultimately, God's heart is shown through his son, Jesus Christ. Born in a manger <laughs> to humble parents, in an out-of-the-way part of the world. God's heart is for everyone. Jesus spoke the words from John 4 to a woman who was broken, and he was inviting her into the heart of God. And he does the same for us. And that's what happens when worship happens. God's heart is revealed. We put ourselves in a position to express through words our heart to God who has himself already given his heart to us in his son, Jesus Christ. So the 90s roll out, uh, and uh, there was this weird season in the 90s, and I'm going to describe this, and those who kind of were in there in that, that early 90s, you, you might remember this, but there was a weird season of 90s worship songs, which I can only characterize as the dating Jesus songs. Because you, there, Jesus was not mentioned, the Lord was not mentioned. It was all good songs that you could just sing to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and they would make just as much sense. Anybody remember those worship songs during that season, right? And you're going, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this thing. But for a season, church is really whacked out for that. Um, not all the songs were bad during that time. But, but there was a group of people in a church that kind of sprung onto the scene, I think, almost as a corrective for what was happening in that, that time. You might recognize it as a group called Hillsong. And Hillsong kind of arose really through one song called Shout to the Lord. And there was something that, that became this anthem for 
not only that started in Australia, not only Australia, but then it spread really throughout the world. And that song shaped the 90s, I believe, and put the church back on, I think, much firmer ground when it came to worship during that decade. And uh, so I kind of grew up in this decade when it kinda, I was a pa- youth pastor during this time, and I was very holy, so all I listened to was, was worship music. I was very, very holy. Um, and so this music really defines who I was as a young man in the 90s. And so why don't you stand to your feet again one more time and let us, because right now is the time for us to worship. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Come. Just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are. One day every knee will bow And still the greatest treasure remains for those Who gladly choose you now Come, will you sing it with us? Come, now is the time to
much deeper
just over there having a moment with the Lord, <laughs> right? That song is so great, so great. So I'm, I, I enjoy worship uh, a lot. I like the feels of worship. I, I like, uh, I'm an emotional guy. I cry at the drop of a hat. Just ask my family. And you've already seen it as well at times. Um, I, I'm just an, I'm this emotional guy, emotional wreck maybe at times. Um, so I enjoy that. But we've got to understand that worship is not just about the feels. There's something more powerful at work when we praise because there is power in praise. There's this great story in the, uh, in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, this king, Jehoshaphat, is king of Judah, and three armies are coming against him. And it's, there, there's no way out. I mean, they, they have proclaimed, Jehoshaphat, you're done, buddy. This is it. You're finished. How many of you have ever felt that way before? Like the enemy's attacking, and the enemy has declared to you, you're finished. You're done. There's no way you're going to make it out of this. But in the midst of all of this, there was fear in the nation, fear in the palace. But the king had a bit of faith. And there was this prophet who came to him and said this following thing. I don't have this up here for you, but it says, the prophet came to him and said, the battle is not yours. It's God's. Just stand ready to see God take care of this. And that's a word for some of you today trying to scramble, trying to make things work and figure it all out and have it all kind of lined up. And God says, I've got this. So the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, after consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed musicians to play for the Lord, praising his, his majestic holiness. So the, the, the worship team gets together. And it says this, they were to march out before the warriors. Okay. So get this just for a moment. So the guys back here and ladies, uh, you're part of that thing, and you have no weapons except your guitars, a keyboard, <laughs> probably a harp or something like that they had back then. They got nothing. Imagine what the singers were doing when they know they are the front line. We got no weapons, Jehoshaphat. <laughs> There's something wrong with this. I love this. As they broke into joyful song and praise, the Lord launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and those from Mount Seir who were invading Judah so that they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned on those from Mount Seir, completely destroying them. Once they had finished off the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy each other. Folks, when we praise God, God sets ambushes for the enemies of our life and our soul, right? And so there are those of you who this week you have come up against battle. I talked to a family who they just found out uh, their son-in-law was diagnosed with a tumor just this week and just a, a, a terrible tumor where it is and, and all that stuff. But she, they're going, but there is power in praise and we are believing God is going before us against the enemy of our soul and the, against the enemy of the soul of our son-in-law and believing for complete healing. This is the God that we serve, right? When we come up against those moments God is there with us. There's power in praise. Never forget that. And I love in James, there's this uh, couple of scriptures that says, draw near to God. That to me is, is our act of worship, isn't it? Draw near to God. That's our act. Then what happens? We just talked about the heart of God a second ago. Then it says, God will draw near to you. So when we draw near to God, there is this reciprocation that happens. The spirit of God kind of alights on us and within us and transforms us. And that's not the great, there's, that's a great part, but there's more to it. The Bible says right afterwards, resist the enemy and he will flee. How do we resist the enemy? 
I believe it's through our praise. I believe it's through our worship. It's, I believe it's through us encountering God that the enemy flees from us. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Maybe you are in a position today when the enemy needs to flee from something going on in your life and you recognize now that there is power and praise as we worship God here in the next couple of minutes. Man, let's bless his name. Let's lift his name up on high because the enemy must flee.
stay standing. We're wrapping up here in just a second, but go ahead and stay standing if you will. So one of the, uh, I want to talk to you about the lifestyle of worship really quickly here as we close out. I don't know if you know this or not, but you become like what you worship. 
right? Because worship should take our attention, our focus. Worship should take time. Worship should take, uh, take our talents and our skill, right? All of that, we become like what we worship. So if we're worshiping God, we're becoming more like him, hopefully, and more like his son, Jesus Christ. The world around us desperately needs to see Jesus. That means we better have a healthy worship life for this lifestyle to take over. And then part of this lifestyle is this, this I think, this bigger picture that it's not about us um, as a, well, so I'm almost 50 years old. I'm going to start claiming, I'm 49. I'm going to claim 50 here pretty quick, right? So, so I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm not as old as some of you. <laughs> not nearly as old as Pastor John. I think he's got me beat by a year, so he's the old guy on staff. Um, and I'm older than, than many of you. So the way I worship hopefully impacts the generations, right? Especially the generation that's coming up behind me. So can I be totally honest with you? There are some songs that we sing that I don't particularly like. Anybody have that, that feeling, right? Okay, there are songs you sing. Oh, you're clapping. <laughs> you're not supposed to clap at that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. No matter what, I need to worship. Because there are teenagers, there are children, there are 20-somethings that are coming up behind me that need to learn. It doesn't matter the song that we sing. It matters the God that we worship, doesn't it? By the way, that wasn't in first service, so they're getting something more because that would, God just put on my heart there a second ago. We've got to worship, and there's a generation coming up behind us that they need to see us worshiping, folks. And so every Sunday when we get together, we need to worship. But that worship can't just be on Sunday. That worship has to happen when you go to work on Monday. It's got to be when you're driving your car. It's got to be in your neighborhood. You have to worship the Lord. Psalm 145 verse 3 says this, the beginning part. The Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness can't be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming your mighty acts. We need to be looking at the generations coming behind us and worshiping God in such a way. It becomes a chain reaction, right, of God's goodness and grace. So here's what I want to do. We're gonna, we've got one more song. You've never sung it before. Um, and so that's good because it's a new thing, right? And uh, I'm going to pray and just ask God's blessing on us as a body of believers and then we're going to sing the song and then one final thing right at the very, very end. So Father God, I'm so grateful for this morning. God, thank you for Life Church. God, I thank you that this is a worshiping church. That God, part of our experience with you is you expressing your heart towards us in the life that you give us through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we return our hearts to you because you started this thing, God. You gave your heart first to us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And God, help us in our worship to be able to, to worship in such a way as that there's a chain reaction of generations behind us, God. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Eyes wide, set on you. You made a road in the wild. Standing on ancient truth. But I'm pressing on with my back to the past and
Folks, it's a new day, right? God's doing a new thing among us. And I want us to be a people of worship and of praise. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.